Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Lowe's Perspective. Today, we have another interview. As I know, I look at the numbers. You guys love these interviews, so I got another one for y'all. Enjoy these great questions. Hope you learned something new, and enjoy the show. All right, what's up, everybody? This is another episode of Olo's Perspective, and today I have a long-awaited interviewer, former dean, now made a whole new position because he was so good, current head coach of the Benetton Bengals, Jared Good. <laughs> Say what's up, brother. Say what's up. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. All right, let's get started on these questions. So, Benetton alum, yes. what, what, what got you to come to Benetton High School? My brother's. Uh, my brothers attended Benedictine High School before I did. Uh, my brothers and cousins, they, they attended. My brothers came out in 80, 81. Uh, so as a young man, as uh, not even a young man, as a baby, I, I, I was around Benedictine. I was born when they were in high school. So a lot of my formative years were here at Benedictine. Mm, okay, okay. So I like, like going here, like change your life. What, what was like? What was it like going in Benedictine in the 80s, if I'm correct. Was it like going here when, when I went here? Yeah, like in the 80s. I heard it wasn't like, wasn't a lot of black black people. When I didn't go here in the 80s, I went here. <laughs> I graduated from Benedictine in 95. But the Benedictine that I went to was different than the Benedictine that my brothers went to. It was the same, but it was different because uh, there weren't, I'm not gonna say that there weren't a lot of black people. There were, there were more African-Americans here at Benedictine than they were at any other uh, Catholic school area, Catholic school, pretty much outside of Cleveland Central Catholic. So okay. there, there were more African Americans here than anywhere else. But I was at Benedictine at a time, certainly when the population was 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 changing in, in that way. We were not just African American, but also uh, non-Catholics. Uh, they were few and far between. But in the time that I was here, we just saw more. Uh, non-Catholics come in. So uh, I was still, I went here during a, a, a transition. I didn't realize it then, but I was at Benedictine at a time when it was transitioning um, in, in, a, in a lot of ways. Just coming into the, everyone was transitioning coming into the 90s. I mean, we our senior year, we got the internet here at Benedictine Ooh. my senior year. So we were the first senior class to ever experience the internet. We were the last class to take typing. Mm. And I remember taking typing, and I tell people all the time, four years of Benedictine, four years of college, the most valuable class that I've ever done, the class that's been invaluable to me in my career professionally is typing. That's crazy, because you would think that they would have typing now. So what what was that like? What was it, it like? It would be keyboarding now. Mm, okay, okay, true. So what was it like seeing and having the internet for the first time? I know it was like that was a huge change from what life was like before. You we didn't realize how big of a change it was. I mean, it was just you, this new thing called the internet. At the time the internet came out when we were in high school, you could reach the end of the internet. It would say you've reached the end of the World Wide Web. That is um, crazy. So yeah, it is crazy when you think about the internet being free and getting the disc in the mail, the net zero disc in the mail for a hundred thousand hours on the internet or something like that. So when, when I think about it now, like with stuff like that, I think about how much time that is. 
Yeah. I mean, they actually gave us 100,000 hours on the internet. 100,000 hours? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. 10, how, how long? 10,000 hours. It was, it was crazy. But you didn't think about it. I didn't think about how much time that was. Like, did we really spend that much time on the internet now? And with what span did you have 10,000 hours? Or we would tell you how long you've been on there? I have no idea because I never finished using that disc to get on the internet. I mean, you know what I mean? I just, <laughs> I don't know. That was the, the introduction of the internet to the world was pretty... <laughs> was pretty interesting. Mm, okay, okay, okay. So, I know you are a father of two. Yes. And how old is a recorder? Uh, yeah. Uh, one is a freshman at Beaumont High School, uh, which is, you know, a lot is surreal. And one is a seventh grader. Um, so, my young man is a seventh grader, and my young lady is a freshman in high school. Okay, so... What is it like growing, like raising children in this current age of technology with and rapid development? Deal with a lot of things that my parents didn't have to deal with. There were certain channels growing up that we couldn't watch. Now nothing is safe. Something might pop up on TV in form of a commercial or or something that just leads to questions where you find yourself in a situation where you sit down to watch a television program and you end up talking about something you never thought that you were gonna be speaking about with your child because of a question that they may have because of a commercial or something like that. So mm. when you ask me what's it like raising them now, I, can, I, I can't because I, I've just raised children, they're two years apart, so I've, just, I've raised them in this age. I haven't raised any children in any other era. But I I immediately point, notice the things that my parents had to deal with that, or things that I have to deal with that my parents didn't have to deal with. Uh, But I always tell tell people about my parents. They raised teenagers in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And, And when you want to start talking about different eras, when my parents started raising children, it was sit down and shut up. Children were seen and not heard. And by the time they finished raising children, we were asking why. Like, and that was just unheard of. I remember one of the first times at our house, my mom and dad asked me to do something. I, I don't, I can't remember the specifics of the conversation, but in conversation, I asked why. Mm, okay. And my older siblings were like. Is he crazy? Like, what is he talking about? Why is he so you disrespectful? Like, I'm not disrespectful. I just want to know why. I mean, I just, you know, what's the why? You do it better when you know what the why is, correct? Yeah, okay, it's true. So what's the what's the why? But no, it's raising kids now is hard. Raising kids during any generation, I believe, is hard. But this generation, this time period, it present certain obstacles that just weren't in other time periods, but they those time periods presented those own obstacles. But I'm gonna tell you what, and it's not just cliche, I have a fabulous partner and Mrs. Good. I mean, you know you've met me, you know Mrs. Good. Mm-hmm. I have a fabulous partner with her. She's everything you would ever want in, in, a, in a mother for your children. So uh, it's hard to sum it up, to make it easy, make a long story short, it's, it's difficult, but it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing. It teaches you a lot about yourself, a lot about yourself, and you definitely gain more respect for your parents, and you have a better understanding of what they were trying to do, 
and and why they were trying to do it. Yeah, I feel like the hardest problem now, and especially I feel like as like an eighteen year old, like being around other like other parents and just seeing it, especially like seeing like how like when you really look back in the history, that like how like really new the internet is and how much of a stranglehold, how much power and a stranglehold tech company has now gained and how hard it is to hit, like, prevent you from seeing certain things. Like, if certain things is, like, blown up enough, no matter where you go, you'll see it. Like, the only way you won't see it is if you just turn off your phone. If you got to get off everything. And yeah. even then, you might catch it on TV somewhere if it's bad enough. A couple years ago, we went on a cruise, and we didn't have cell phone service. And the first day, that was kind of difficult. That was kind of difficult. And the second day, didn't notice it as much. By the third day, it was like you didn't notice it at all. And then you come back to port, <clears throat> and your phone doesn't stop ringing for, you know, six hours. And you realize how attached you are to your phone. And and really, since coming back from that cruise, I've actually hated my cell phone. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I came to the realization of how many problems my phone was giving me, and how much headaches I was getting from just consuming stuff. When I went on Kairos, aka for us, of yeah. Mount God. Yeah. So when I went on there, and then we weren't, I, I was one of the people. I'm not gonna say, you know, some people was, you know, sneaking on the phones at night. Not gonna say any names, and I'm not about them. But I decided I wanted to be part. Of, I was gonna do this. I was gonna 100% commit to it. Yeah. No headphones. No tech. I I wasn't even sneaking my Apple Watch to see what time it was. Not even the Apple Watch. I, I left it all. I left it all behind. Especially when it was hard because people would just have they, they would leave their phone. They would leave their phone, but at night they would get it for like music and stuff like that. Because a lot of them, like a lot of them, everybody was like one. It was because everybody was doing it, and two, a lot of people were afraid of being out of touch because I was like that was when I was nervous of out of touch or what? What what? Like, when you have your phone in your hand... You're not really in touch. Just because you got a phone don't mean you connected to anything. You're just connected to your phone. You're not connected to the events that are in your phone. No, you're not connected, but it's like you know, like, what's happening. If, like, like if, like, when you, like, don't know, it's kind of like you you feel like... Like, especially when you don't know certain things, people, like... Especially depending on the type of friends you have, some people make you feel, like, dumb. Like, oh, you so, don't know so about me, it. So let me ask you this. Okay. <clears throat> Is it worse for you to not know that an event is going on or for you to be able to look at your phone see that that event is not going on know that you weren't invited to that event and it's going on or for you to not even know that something's happening which one is which which one would you prefer i'd rather not know what's happening but that's another thing that's when like the comparison starts that's honestly i say one of the worst like plagues of like social media is the like wild comparisons because no matter look no matter how you look if you look deep enough there's always going to be somebody that's doing worse than you and there's always going to be somebody that's doing better than you and it's a double whammy and so yeah you can use that as a motivation it opens how you use it you can use it as a motivation to okay i can i can do this i can go higher or you can use it oh, oh I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. Mm -hmm. And it, you can also use it as a crutch, so it can it can hurt or help you, and it all just depends on your own mindset. And I really feel for parents because now that you have, not only do you have you trying to raise them, not only do you have school trying to raise them, you have the internet also raising your kid as well. No, I, I now I will disagree with that. I'll say okay. that's part of the problem. We don't have... 
the, philosoph the, the same philosophical beliefs. We don't have the schools attempting, not attempting to, but assisting in raising our okay. children. It was a time when I went to school, and, and it's, it's interesting because, like I said, I came out of school. I graduated from high school. I graduated from Benedictine in 1995. Okay. With, in hindsight, the world was different when I entered high school than it was when I left. When I think about the things that happened when I was in high school, and as you get older, <coughs> excuse me, you start to understand, like, history and things like that. But in 1991, between what the thing, the events, the social events that happened in between 1991 and 1995, it was just a different world. Mm. What was so different about it? It wasn't as innocent. Mm. The 90s mm. took away the 90s, in my opinion, the 90s. Peeled back a lot of a, a lot of thing, a lot of layers, and took away the innocence of a lot of stuff. Even we, like I said, socially, when you think about music, it changed. Hip hop changed. The golden era of hip hop. That is true. It, it, it hip hop changed. It went from you know kind of party music to to gangster rap and and mm -hmm. things like that. So it, it was just different. It it was different. I, I did forget that that's when hip-hop really went mainstream because a lot of people notice hip-hop is also hasn't been around as long as you well, think. rap went mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, rap went mainstream. Rap and hip-hop are two different things. Okay. So in your opinion, what's the difference between rap and hip-hop? Uh, we gonna get into that? We gonna get into that? How'd I get, how'd we get there? <laughs> well, I mean, we think of rap, like for, for instance, the, you talk about when I was younger, rap, okay, MC Hammer, hip hop, Eric B and Rakim, Nas, Biggie. You know what I mean? Nah, I hear. I see the difference. So that that's that's you know, rap was rap back when it in that era, rap was mainstream. Hip hop was not mainstream. Hmm. Okay, okay. Okay, I get what you're saying now. So I get what you're saying. Uh back to the point where you said about the disagreeing with the internet and our raising kids, you said that like you said they like they said they don't like you said they're not doing enough, if I remember correctly. Oh, as far as is is the village raising the child? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate. It takes a village to raise a child, but I, I read somewhere that you know it takes a village to raise a child. The problem became a problem when the villagers got upset with each other when they were raising each other's children, or something to that effect. <coughs> it and I don't know when it happened and or why it happened, but it just it just changed from another adult being able to correct a child mm. when the parent changed when the parent got upset the parent of the child got upset because their child was being corrected mm -hmm. that's when it changed when when i was when i was younger when i was growing up if you had to be spoken to by another adult you were in a lot of trouble you you were in trouble you were gonna get in trouble for what you did but if another adult had to talk to you then you were in trouble because, and this is just my opinion, I think that parents internalized it 
the correct way. Okay. Like parent, a parent, my my dad, Mister Mister Cash, Mister Cash, who who lived around the corner from me, and and is my the father, one of my best friends. If Mister Cash had to say something to me about my behavior, then my father was up. My father was upset, not with Mister Cash, but upset with me. He wasn't upset with Mister Cash. I mean, Mister Cash were friends. He tell Mister Cash, "Thank you, flat out. They shake hands. Thank you. I appreciate you letting me know, because back then it was seen as Mister Cash was preventing me." from acting a fool, which prevented my father from looking like he wasn't parenting. Mm-hmm. So my father appreciated that and said that, you know, that I appreciate you, you know, doing that. Now, it seems if you correct a child, it is an indictment on the, on the parent, but they, they take that personal. They get upset. Don't talk to my child like that. Then it's just not moms, it's also dads. I definitely agree with what you're saying. You ever relate to something I was just talking to upstairs. I was upstairs with New Dean's Mr. Strongsburg, right? If I, if I got that correct? Yes. Oh. Yeah, okay. Right. So he was teaching a class, and I just popped in to say hi, and he just pulled me in, you know, just start sharing my experience. And the last thing I said, I said, because he starts talking about, like, you know, teachers being on you. And I told him, I said, listen, the people who are on you are people that care. Yep. I said, the minute someone who was on you stops being on you, you you need to be scared because you that's that's not a good sign. People on you like because people like even then like I was younger I used to get mad people being on me and I didn't understand. Now when people are on me before I even react I sit down I listen. The first thing I even say is thank you because the fact you took the time out today to even say something to me you might have prevented me from doing something and I see it all the time especially now like when I was like in a store and people someone be doing something stupid and everybody would know that it's a dumb thing but nobody would say anything because they were scared that it was going to get taken out of context and something was going to happen to them Mm -hmm. and i think it's very scary that it is very scary that the people are afraid to do that and one even if i already see something and i know me and i would say something people would look at me crazy for saying something or they would look at me like like i'm like really bold for saying something and then you get mad at me. I'm gonna get more mad because I'm like, I'm trying to help you. I don't have. I could be like everybody else. I don't have to say anything to you. And that's what I was telling my like, They don't have to say anything. They could let you do it. They are not your parent. They have no responsibility. They have no responsibility. Have no obligation for you. And personally, it doesn't affect. Especially, it doesn't affect you. It affects me if you mess up. All, all I could get in there is a is a good laugh out of it. And that's pretty much what everybody's gonna get when you're not looking. They're gonna laugh at you and talk about it. I'm more person like okay, let me help you out because I want you to help me out. So that's why I always say thank you when someone else corrects me, even if it is crazy. I've learned that you gotta sit down sometimes. You gotta read in between the lines of the craziness. Also, another thing I said to the students like someone may come at you strong because they may be having a bad day, but or they don't. Or they may not know that their attitude is wrong, and no one's ever told them, so they may not know that they're doing wrong. It's got to read in between the lines and read in between the attitudes, read the message, not how the message is saying. Like, even now, a lot of people worry about how the message is said, and they kind of forget the message entirely if they don't like how the message is told to them. Well, the, it, it goes along, it goes to what we say at home. I, I, I tell my children and my wife, we say at home, do not throw away the gift because you don't like the gift wrapping. Mm, 
That's a great one. That's, we, we, that's what we say at home. Don't throw away the gift because you don't like the gift wrapping. You know, everyone wants the gift of, for instance, coaching football. Everyone wants the gift of a state championship. And, or, or just winning, <laughs> period. Just winning, period. Mm-hmm. But in the gift of winning, it is wrapped in a lot of things. Hard work, preparation, dedication, sacrifice, focus. And a lot of people don't like that paper, that, that wrapping paper. They want the gift, but they don't want, they don't want the wrapping paper. So I, I, I tell my, my kids that, and I thought about that one time when my children were younger. And they were looking at the wrapping paper. You know, if the wrapping paper wasn't colorful or wasn't, you know, something that caught their eye, they kind of ignored that gift. Oh, there's some great gifts over here in this boring wrapping paper. <laughs> me, me personally, when I was a kid, I didn't care at all about wrapping paper. I was always paying attention to the size, and I was huge in the Legos on the little kids, so I would shake it, and I knew I knew I could hear the Lego pieces. So I heard it shake, and I heard the Lego pieces. <laughs> I knew it was some type of Lego in there. The bigger the gift was, the more likely I was to open it. Now, since I'm in like in the tech and stuff now, the smaller the gift is, the more likely I am to open it. Yeah, that's funny how that works. Especially if it's a box, definitely open it's a box. Looks like an iPhone case. Mm-hmm. Definitely saying like that's another thing that was huge. It was like it was sound. Like if I shake it, and also that, that was that was a downside when I first started getting iPhones. You couldn't shake it too much because you might mess it up. So if you shake it and you hear just a big thing clomping up and down and you could possibly hear like the, the charging cable, the hard side of it, like clicking against the box, you're like, ooh, this might be an iPhone right here. Yeah, that's that's definitely, you, you talk about parenting, that's definitely something that my parents didn't have to deal with is cell phones. Yeah. Like that whole social media, that whole thing is, is scary. And that's, that's a scary thing as a as an adult, as a parent, as a coach, that is uh, that's scary because every year it seems like when you watch, just take the draft for instance. I can't imagine how many people. I can only imagine how many people actually lose their jobs over social media. Yes, because you see it every year in the NFL, NBA, whatever the professional draft or professional setting. People losing hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of dollars because of something that they tweeted out six months ago, six years ago, you know, things like that. So that's something that my parents definitely didn't have to deal with. But I also think that that is based on how it's given to a child. Yeah, I think that the original intent of social media has now gotten spun on I think like the original intent was to make make it an extension of who you were and being able to like reach out to people across the world. Granted, it does do that, but now also other people have made it like their lives. And I also think that now that you can hear what everybody has to say, I think it's now gave people's opinions power. Yeah, and it, con- it contradicts. It's funny, my parents always tell me, be friends with people who want to be friends with you. And now you have people on social media, they got, you know, 100,000 followers. I mean, even on a smaller scale, like 4,000 followers, like 4,000, like, do you really have 4,000 friends? Or do you just have a bunch of people who just want to know what you're doing? Yeah. You don't have, I mean, do you really have 4,000 friends? And if you have 4,000, you just, you just don't. It's, no. 
But it is social media is when it's used for good, it's a fantastic it's it's fantastic. When it's used for good. It keeps families together. And unfortunately, social media has done more of what it was not meant to do than what it was is had was meant to do. It's an awesome tool when you have a family like mine where you have people who live in different areas and they also have children. I wish I had it. I wish I would have been able to stay connected with my cousins the way that my children are able to stay connected with their cousins or my my nephews are able to stay connected with their cousins and, and family members like that. So, but it's like anything else. You have to use it the right way in order for it to be successful. Yeah, I look at social media like this because people would like call like technology and social media bad. I'm like, no, it's not bad. Social media and technology are like power. Them alone, it's not bad on its own. It's how it's wielded. Mm-hmm. Power can be used for good, but also power can be wielded for complete destruction as well. Mm-hmm. Social media can be wielded to make to and do great things. Like when like when I remember like I think when some country got bombed and everybody saw it, it went viral, everybody got like millions of views and everybody came together and felt bad for these people and now these people know people can donate and get millions, potentially billions of donations. It it can possibly make rebuilding a whole entire country or city easy and cut it down to then like a couple of years. But also the bad is someone spending something out of context, someone making something that is not, and then not giving them room to say it and then have everybody going against it or pressuring people to agree with certain opinions. But also the worst, the most damaging thing it has done to people, especially in the past three years, is silence people. Mm-hmm. And people who speak out on the silence get silenced or it stores fear on people. I would agree with that. So, yeah, even then, now let's, let's make a shift. Let's make a shift on down to football. Mm. How do you how do you do deal with like social media and football? How do you think what do you think is the goods and bads of it of having like sports and like football, especially like big team football and like the like media and stuff? How do you monetize it? How do you use it to make the team better? Well, once again, like I said, when it's used correctly, it, it can be beneficial. So we use, as far as a program, we use social media to get our content out there about our guys and promote our program, promote our school, and we do a good job of that. Uh, at individ- as individuals, we talk to our players a lot about responsibilities of social media, getting them to understand that coaches are looking at that uh, – at their social media they're watching they're watching who they affiliate themselves with what they disagree with what they agree with to kind of get a look because now social media is being used to determine people's belief systems in yeah. a lot of ways you can look at someone's social media page and have a very good idea of what that person is about what is priority in that person's life is it hanging out partying is it family is it is children? Is it work? Is it you know? Is it football? So you, so now social media is being determined. Is, is being looked at to determine the character of a person, and that can that's 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 not accurate, and that can be very misleading, very misleading, and in, in, in both directions, you mm-hmm. can have someone who misleads you into thinking that they're a fantastic person, and they're not. But you can also have someone on social media who 
has all these things up that people may not condone, and this person is just a, a this is their way of expressing themselves, and this person is a, is a fantastic person. So when we talk to our guys about social media, we preach that you you be responsible, that that lives forever. You can record it, if, I mean, excuse me, you can remove it if you want to, you can delete it if you want to, but some you never know, somebody might have a screenshot or the cloud or, or whatever, and you don't want anything to come back to hurt you or, or your family. Yeah, I definitely feel like the screenshot, I feel like the screenshots like the past five years have really became a thing because people didn't really, like, especially when I, like when I was in middle school, didn't think of to, like, screenshot stuff. And I remember screenshot got big when on the iPhones they made it to where <clears> all you had to do was press the power and the and volume up button, mm -hmm. and it was boom like that easy screenshot. It's crazy to think that in the next five to ten years, there's someone from birth to marriage. If, I mean, if not now, but someone from birth to marriage, there's an electronic chronicle of their entire life. From the day that they were born and their parents posted, hey, this is Jimmy, we wanna welcome Jimmy to the family, and then Jimmy took his first steps, and then Jimmy said his first words, rode his first bike, went to school the first day, first grade the first day, second grade, all the way up, oh, my baby Jimmy in high school. Uh, Jimmy graduated, this is Jimmy's prom, Jimmy graduated, Jimmy is going to college, and Jimmy graduated from college, and Jimmy is, and now Jimmy got his own, you know, Jimmy got his own page. And now Jimmy is dating this girl and this girl and this girl. And, and that's fine. And then Jimmy finds the one that he he loves. And now he's there. And now Jimmy has a child. Yeah, it's Now that, that, that is chronicle Jimmy's entire life. You can go back and look at Jimmy's entire life from the day Jimmy was born to the day he rode his, his, his first bike to his first day of school to homecoming, prom, graduation. First day on campus, Jimmy graduating from college, Jimmy's wedding, Jimmy's wife can look through his social media and see from the time he was a goofy little dude in high school to this first girlfriend, to this next girlfriend, to this next girlfriend, to this next girlfriend, to her. It's just, it's, it's all, it, it's just amazing how all of that is chronicled. It's just, it is, it's something we didn't have to, it's just something that I didn't have to deal with growing up. It's something I didn't have to deal with growing up. Like I said before, I think it'd be a good about that. I think it's great for parents. It makes it easier to keep memories. Like even now, like my mom, I, if I like say she went all the memories and like something happened and like the house was about to get destroyed by a tornado and then she has the digital images. She could put on the SD card or a flash drive, take it with her as all the pictures get destroyed in the tornado, she can get upload them, have them reprinted, and have them back on her phone, and they be like she never lost them. That's like oh yeah, that's the, that's definitely a pro. A pro yeah, that's to, to to like the, the electronics. Yeah, definitely a pro for and, sure. And I think that something that's very that hard, and I really feel when I was like fifteen and sixteen, I really feel for like the fourteen and fifteen and sixteen year olds because as you're growing you don't understand yet what's important. So when you just see something goofy and you just want to post it or it's just a little troll post and then a, like a job like spins it out of context or something like that or uses it against you and it's from five years ago, I don't personally think that's okay. Like, well, a person has a lot of development. 
That's from five years ago. You can't judge what somebody was doing at 15 from 20. You can. Now, is it appropriate to do that? No. No, that's not appropriate to do that. But you can certainly judge. I mean, you can. And people do. It's no different to you. I mean, no different than you or myself. I mean, you'll probably have social media for the rest of your life. I mean, unless you just decide to stop doing it. No, I'm trying to make a career on this. All right. Well, this. yeah, right. So you're, you're going to have it. Your whole life is going to be chronicled on social media, and that's not a bad thing because you're not doing anything bad or anything like that. But that's just kind of that's just kind of scary that somebody who doesn't even know you can just get on your page and go through your timeline and be 60%, 70% accurate with your life events. <laughs> Yeah, that that I mean, that is crazy. Like, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I kind of find like scary that like, I can like someone could know almost everything about me. Have like a baby photo saved in their phone of me, and then I don't even know who they are. It's like it's scary. Yeah, and then you become you 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 take positions in life, and you have roles in life where you know people just want to know, so they look at it. Mm-hmm. Another thing I like about like the social media and like football is that I like you guys like guys have a page because like you guys post a schedule on Instagram mm-hmm. and all that. So now like I can like see the games because I was at I'm in college at Florida, so I can see the games from my from home. And what I do is when I'm on like watching the games, I'll screen mirror it and I'll throw it on my TV. So it's like I had a whole live stream on my TV. Yeah, and, that's, and that's real we, time. That's what we do. That's what we do it for to get it out to our alumni who aren't in the area and 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 don't know uh, where the game is or or, or want to see the game and can't get to it. So that is why we screencast it. Has become you know, COVID was an unfortunate occurrence, but some of the things that came out of COVID, such as us, such as live streaming of games and everything else, it was. Uh, that that's been beneficial. Yeah. So on to oof, the nitty gritty of football right now. As as of today we're say that nitty gritty. Like yeah, like <laughs> you know, like the controversial like well not the controversial but kinda like just been the hot topic of the school for the past about month or two and like anytime I hear anything in Benetton football first thing I hear is the record, if I'm correct, is what, 0-6 at the moment? Yes, at this time, yes. So, yeah, as, like, the head coach, I'm looking at the schedule. You guys faced, what, Walsh, Toledo, Cleveland Heights, I don't know how to say a third team, Akron, Boardman, Brexville, pretty respectable teams, teams that are above our division. How do you take the 0-6 start? How you take how do you take this like bad start? Or is anything planned to turn around? Or what do we take as a learning lesson from here? Great question. You learn you learn a lot. You learn a lot a lot about yourself when you're not successful. You learn a lot about yourself when you are successful as well. But to be 0-6, to be here at my alma mater, it it is it sucks. It does. It, it absolutely sucks. There are many variables into as as to why we're 0-6. 
But I'm most proud of the fact that one of those variables is not a lack of effort, not a lack of attitude. Our guy, those guys come every day. They practice hard. We prepare them to win. It is a process. It, it, it's just a process. Like I said, there's a lot that goes into that. A tough schedule, a transition year with uh, a new quarterback coming in, young at the skill position. Uh, there, you can you can put it in a lot on a lot of things, but the the fact is, we have not been successful to the level where we have won a game, and that sucks for our, our all the kids, but especially our seniors who will not have another opportunity to make those game up. These other guys, they'll come back next year and and and, and address the, the things that they did this year, by hopefully by uh, learning from the things they did. But we're learning a lot this year. As young men, you're, you're learning how to deal with difficult times, difficult situations. You're learning how to have difficult conversations. You're learning that you're not always going to be successful. You got to remember that this is a senior class who've been to three straight elite eights. They've been to three elite eights. They don't know anything but winning. Yeah, like. But with that being said, <clears throat> this class has learned that just because you're associated with winning, just because you're affiliated with winning, don't mean that it's going to be easy for you to do it. We have a lot of guys who. Uh, hadn't played a whole lot in previous years because they had great guys playing in front of them. So it, it isn't so much a lack of ability to get it done, it's just a lack of experience. But I, I cannot say it enough that I'm so proud of our young men and the attitudes they've shown and the effort that they've shown. Um, and when you start talking about what we build our program on, which is love and trust, you can say you love somebody, and you can and you can show that you love somebody. You can say that you trust somebody. You can show that you trust somebody. And I think our actions towards them, their actions and attitude and effort with us, is a display of how much they love and trust us and how much we love and trust them. I trust that they're going to get it right. I trust that they're learning from these this, this, this difficult time. And I trust that they're going to be better men because of it. And that's really what it's about. Yeah, it's about football and winning and you want to be successful. But I've always said, and, and you know this from being here with me, I've always said that it's more important for us to be good men, good people. And if this is the worst thing that they're going to go through in life, I, I pray that this is the worst thing that they go through in life. Because if this is the worst thing that they go through in life, then they're going to have a fantastic life. Yeah, pretty good life. I I'm back to the social like tying in social media. I remember I follow a decent amount of the juniors and seniors as if, you know, I'm friends with them. I was with the school with them. I see that their heads are not down, their heads are still high, which was a great sign for me. And also when I've heard of the O one six start, I wasn't that surprised knowing the schedule from last year and like looking at the schedule. And looking at the tough team you have, you guys have chosen to face. You guys chose to face these people, and I consider it a pretty ballsy schedule. But also, a lot of learning and a potential to next year 
come back and when you face if you get thrown at people with your competition or you run into people with your competition even now that you may potentially destroy them well that they they they're learning from it i think that they're learning from that and yes um that's one of the variables which you talk about we start talking about having <coughs> excuse me start talking about having a tough year um, one of the variables at Benedictine, it always has been at Benedictine, is it's difficult to schedule. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. It's, it's very difficult to schedule. The um, teams don't want to play us for whatever reason. The lower level teams, you know, have, have no desire to play us, and the, and the higher level teams have no desire to to play us because of the possibility of uh, the outcome not going the way that they wanted to. So it's always been difficult to schedule at Benedictine. But uh, the one thing that we'll never do here at the Home of Champions is, uh, you know, run. And I'm not saying that that's, that's what the result of the schedule is, is us trying not to run for anything. But it's, it's difficult to schedule. But at the same time, we want those challenges. We want to face those challenges because the ultimate goal here at Benedictine is to win a state championship. So you, you have to put yourself in a position where you face tough opponents in order to be prepared in order to reach the long-term goal. And we've put ourselves in a position to where we face the tough opponents so that we have a great understanding of what it takes to get to our long-term goal. And even if that is not achieved this year, we'll still have those same young men who understand, who went through it and understand what it will take to achieve our long-term goal. I think that uh, you guys are definitely not running away. If any type of running, you guys are running towards the challenge, not away. <laughs> because I am aware that you guys, like, you know, do schedule your own games. And what comes with those, like, pros? What are the pros and cons of that? Of not being in a conference and, and like, scheduling your own games? Yeah. The, the cons are sometimes you end up with a schedule like we have. Those are the cons. Um, the pros are we we end up with a schedule like we have, where we have the ability to play tough teams, showcase our young men, and showcase our school. So the pros and the pros and cons are, are kind of the same. I mean, like I said, the the pros is you know you can take this team and take this team and devise you know really really put together a schedule. But that can be difficult. Like I said, that can be difficult because of the kind of no one really wants to know. Sometimes people don't want to play you, especially when you don't have a lot of independent schools in the area. You have schools that are tied to conferences, so they start conference play. So that makes things difficult later in the season and things like that. Yeah. One thing I think that is great from you guys playing at Tusco is, like you said, the Cleveland Heights. A Division One school, who you guys gave them a run for their money, and they almost lost. Grant, I think if a bit of like bad plays happening and a little bit of luck, that you guys have really won that game. Just kind of like, kind of like fell out in the fourth quarter a little bit towards the end of it. And I think you guys would have stayed strong. You guys would have beat them, and that would lead to a huge ups. That would have led to a huge upset, and it kind of puts. Even you, the fact you guys came close in your Division Three school with a small roster puts the D1 schools on note saying, hey, our, our division does not define us, and we don't care what division you are. 
we will come with the mentality that we will come in your house or our house and we will destroy you. And don't let it be our house because you may not have a chance. Well, it, it's that's that's always been the the philosophy of kind of Benedictine football that we're going to line up and we're going to play whoever's on the schedule. And we know we don't go looking for we don't do go looking for anyone or anything like that. We line up and we play what's on the schedule. Um and that's that's pre, that's pretty much it. And yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, a play here or a play there. You know, you never know. You can't all you can never say, hey, this one play cost us. You can never say that because there was a series of events that led up to that one play. But yes, that comes with learning how to win because you, you're right. You look at it, you play a Walsh team that is a good team, mm -hmm. and we lose to them in double overtime. And then we go play a great Toledo uh, Central Catholic team on the road. Uh, Cleveland Heights, you know, we didn't couldn't finish that. We're still learning how to win. You play a national power, you know, nationally ranked team in Dematha, um, and then you you, you play Bookdale, and 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 they're a good team, and and you're close there. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, last week you play a Boardman team that's a good team, and, and you're close there. But what you're learning is that, and the life lesson is, is you got to pay attention to the details. Mm -hmm. When all things are even, it's the details that 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 matter, and these are the details that these are the things that they're learning, these type of things that they're learning, and this is going to make them better. As like I said, as people, and as a team, and as coaches. Yeah, I think that back to what you were saying about you know how you were saying like like two thousand friends and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you the difference between followers and viewers. Follow viewers. Just view your stuff, but if they lose, if you lose the platform, they will stop viewing your things and they won't follow you. Followers, no matter where you go, no matter what platform you on, they will be viewing on that platform. Any way they can find you, they will find you. That's the difference between viewers and followers. Like even like in this podcast and gaining, like blowing up through interviewing, uh, interviewing the students who are go here or alum or coaches like yourself, that I have not only gained viewership, I have gained a following, because people are like, okay, we like these interviews. Where are they at? Okay, mm -hmm. it's on YouTube now, we're going to YouTube. It's on Instagram now, we're going to Instagram. It's still all the only, and what platforms are they on? Oh, it's on Apple Podcasts, we're going to Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify, it's on, we're on to Spotify. It's on Google, Google, uh, Google Podcasts, we're going to Google Podcasts. Any outlet that you give them they go to, they're gonna go. That's the difference. And also it stays consistent as well. Now, in, in in this moment of learning lessons and of this, I consider it learning curve, how is the locker room aspect that you can speak of, you know, publicly? Oh, no, that's, that's fine. It's, it's, we have great leaders in the locker room. Our captains uh, have done a good job of communicating with our guys, they've done a good job of communicating with coaches too about how they feel and what they think. Uh, but no, overall, the locker room is good. These guys enjoy being around each other. It's, you, you know what it is here. It, it's, it's a brotherhood and it's something, it's, it speaks to how much of a brotherhood we actually have. Because it's easy to be brothers when things are going well. You know, it is. 
Yeah, like three rolls of. So yeah, as soon as you hopped in the gate, you straight elite eights, it's easy. It's playoff easy. runs. It's easy to, to be brothers when when you're winning and everything else. But when things aren't going your way and, and you have people who, you, you know, your peers who who have things to say and everything else, they've taken all they've taken all that in stride. They believe in each other. You know what I'm saying? They rock, they rock with each other. They don't really pay attention to what's going on outside of the locker room because they know what they've done to prepare, they know what they've done in order to get to this point. So the locker room, they're good. Like I said, they have not quit. They have not tapped out, lost interest or anything like that. They're still there fighting. They're fighting for those 11 letters on the front of the jersey. And that's, that's all we can ask for. We ask those guys to bring two things, good attitude and good effort. And they, they brought that to the table all year. Okay. now. In your career of head coaching, is this your first head coaching job, second? Where have you had coached anywhere before? How did it go there? First head coaching job, I'm going to tell you that's interesting. First head coaching job, this is my first head coaching job here at Benedictine. Okay. Uh, I coached middle school at Wiley for two years. Okay. Then I coached freshman. I was a head freshman football coach for a year at Shaw High School. Okay. And then I moved to the uh, D-line position. Then I moved to... Defensive coordinator. I was defensive coordinator there. I was defensive coordinator at Richmond Heights for four years. Um, and then I was out of coaching for a couple of years because I have the most important coaching job in my life, which is my children. My daughter started school. Mm, and, okay. then, and, 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 they, and they are the most important coaching job that I have. Um, so I, I was out of coaching for a little while, and then I came to Benedictine. And, was a D-line coach and became the head coach. But at Richmond, when I was at, when I was coaching at Richmond, we won two games in four years. Mm. And quite honestly, that is where I that's when I really learned how to coach. Okay. What what Not, learning lesson did you learn from only winning those two games in four years? Because you you become more you become more creative, mm. you become more creative. You become it's more humanistic. You you coach from a more humanistic approach. You really you you understand the highs and lows. You you really do understand what's most important in regards to development. It's easy to coach a kid who can run a four three. It has all the guy given ability that that you have nothing to do with. It's easier to do that. But to take a young man and develop him over four years and watch him develop and watch him gain confidence and watch him grow as a person and as a young man and as a football player, the frustrations, the ups and downs that come with that, that's hard. Mm. That's hard. And I've, and, and, I've, and I've had to do both. I've had to do more of the latter, and I would like to do more of the aforementioned, get a guy with a 4-3, I won't do more of that. But I also still, we also still, here at Benedictine and this coaching staff, which is predominantly men of Benedictine, we take pride in developing our guys because we are here to develop our guys in mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. So that is great. I actually, I didn't even know that. So you kind of worked your way up through the, like, the coach corporate ladder, kind of, just like one step sort of. at a time. Sort of, yeah. I've, I've you know, to pay your dues and, and those things yeah 
but no, it's the best coaching idea was not when we were successful. The best coaching you do is when now. Like, what do you do now? There's a lot of coaches that go six and zero and are number one in the state that wouldn't know what to do if they were zero and six. That's true. Like, I really like how you guys haven't given up. And now, is there any possibility of making playoffs? What will we give? What will we give up on? That like, what what will, what will we give up on? The kids, the 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 the, the team, because that's essentially when it, when when you start talking about giving up. That's what you're giving up on. You're giving up on people. And I'm not that. No, hell no. We tell our guys we love them every day. Yeah. Like, they tell they tell us that they they tell they tell us we they love us. So there there is no giving up. Mob don't give up on my mob. Mob is mob. Mob don't do that. We don't do that. It's it's really that simple. Mm-hmm. So so when when people say give up, what are we giving up on? We giving up on each other. We've given up on our beliefs. We've given up on the work we've done. We've given up on the we given up on the dedication. It's kind of like when people give up, you're giving up on the season. Like when I was a camp counselor and stuff like that, and say if I were upset and I'd just shut down and give up, like you said, I would be giving up on people. I would be giving up on those kids, no matter how bad of a day I was or like how difficult it was. I remember there will always be. Like, I remember. I remember even it was tough. Like it was my first time ever dealing with kids. Ever I've never had any experience of ever having to teach kids anything, learning anything. I'm not. Only thing I'm really a like highly highly skillful at is really really speaking in itself. I'm not very highly highly skillful. And like even though like it would be time like where especially like younger kids and older kids didn't want to play with them. And they would like want to play catch. I'm not the best at throwing, but I know a little something, something. Just like telling them, like having to tell them the harsh reality in a nice way, but telling them in a way is motivated was probably one of the most difficult things. Like I remember this little kid and nobody else wanted to play basketball with them. And I had to tell them like harsh reality, like, hey, you know what? These kids right now are, they are better than you. And you had to like break down that it's a competition and people want to play with the best of the best. And you may not be the best at the moment, but don't give up on yourself and like, you know, put in the work to become the best. So then they'll be asking to play with you. And even then, like, even just you like playing catch with them or you just, just showing them like a simple layup could just mean so much or you don't know how much it will impact. And it's not even saying that, it's how you're saying that, having to say that in in a motivational way. Like, that's one thing that's always been, like, huge to me, like, out of any other, like, football program. Like, and, like, within high school, it's, like, when I see, like, the, like, preseason, like, preseason videos or, like, the hype videos, it's kind of, like, more like a, like a motivational thing. Like, you hear your voice in the background, you see the new jerseys, see people practicing and it's kind of like you get inspired by it well uh, well thank you but it's it is not to, it's not to inspire you you sh- you do hope that they you do want them to hear what you're saying and to have that same feeling if i could go out there and play i would i would i mean like seriously 
but you can't. So you try to transfer that energy to them. Right. You try to transfer that energy to them. And and that's what I mean. That's one of those variables. When you have, I be, we believe that mob makes mob. And our coaching staff are, is full of men of Benedictine. So when we're talking to them, when we're telling them, when we're teaching them, we're, we're passing these things on to them because we wore that flying bee. We, you, this, is, this is not fun for us, being men of Benedictine. This is not fun. It, 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 it's not going through going through this experience, but we stand with our head held high because we're doing everything the way that we're supposed to. And you learn that lesson too. You don't always get as your works deserve. Sometimes you do, because there have been times when we've prepared and we play well enough to win some areas, but it just hasn't. It just hasn't happened yet. But it will. Our 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 time will come. I I believe in that. Our time will happen. We'll be we'll be fine. And and we just need to go undefeated this week, one step at a time. We've never talked about playoffs. We number one in the state. We didn't talk about the playoffs. We talked about going one and zero for the week, and we still talk about that. Okay. Right now. All right. Uh. I do know that you were at one point in time were like almost got to a point where you've got to the National Football League. Did you ever like I'm assuming you did play college football? Yes. So mm -hmm. what was that like like even just having the opportunity just playing being in that small percentage, not in the less than ten percent, probably in like twenty or thirty percent. What what was that like? What did it feel like? What did it go through your mind? What was like just even being, seeing the practice facility, just having a helmet on. Going from leaving here and going to college, it was eye-opening. Um, facilities and all those things that you see, you know, of course, is bigger and, and better because it's college and it's supposed to be. But you do immediately recognize the rarefied air that you're in. I don't care what level of football that you play, Power 5, FBS, Division two, three, NAIA. If you play college football, you're amongst an elite group of people. Uh -huh. So, what 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 I learned here at Benedictine was easily transferable to where I played college football at the Youngstown State, where I played under Coach Trussell, and the transition was easy to me because I had the privilege of playing under Coach Basu and then Coach Adakovic and then Coach Trussell, who are all God-fearing men who want you to work hard, believe in your abilities, believe in your brothers. The message was always the same. It never, it never changed. So mm -hmm. that's what made it. It's not like I was coming from somewhere where it was just a me, 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 me situation, and I was asked to be in a team situation, and, and it was an and it was an adjustment. No, it was always a team situation here, mm -hmm. and then we got to YSU, and it was always a team situation there. So it was it was the the it was very easy for me to translate over that way, and through the grace of God, I was physically gifted. So it was. It wasn't that much of a transition there, 
So that's why I was that, that's why I was successful. That the, the transition really wasn't that much. I, mm. We came. I came from a belief system, and I went from a belief system into a belief system that was very similar. Mm, okay. So once you got to the point where like you did well in college, <clears throat> you got to the opportunity. What happened when you failed? What was going through your mind then when you didn't make it? When I didn't make it, you there's a lot of steps to making it. I learned that there's a lot of steps to making it. It's more than just it's more than just want to. Right. And to even have the opportunity to be looked at, to be considered is 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 something special. You have guys who go on and, and play and, and and do all of those things. But to even be considered is is really a privilege. You re you realize the smaller percentage there. So I was I was thankful because I went to college and got everything that I went to college for. I didn't go to college to go to the NFL. Mm, okay. I went to college to go get a college education, and then when I got there, I set a goal to win a national championship. We set a goal to win a national championship, and we did. So I went to college and got what I wanted to get out of college, which was a national championship, my college degree, and a national championship. Okay. So, what, like, after you, like, after you came up short, what deterred you from trying again? Was it just like seeing the work and you realized that you this really wasn't what you wanted to do on this level? No, they didn't want me. I mean, that that's the bottom line. Like the higher you go on, the higher you go up as far as the level of sports. I can only speak to football, but the higher you go on and and on the level for football. They have to want you. See, when you sign, when you go to Pee Wee, you sign up. You go and you sign up with them, and then you go in middle school and you go and you sign up with them, and then you go to high school and you go and you sign up with them. But then college, eh, you have a choice, but that's only if they want you. Okay, so you're saying hey, they just didn't want you, and you recognize that? Yeah, I want my. I just I didn't have the ability to play at that level. Okay. That's all. I mean, it's not like I was. I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say, "Well, no, I had the ability." They just blackballed me. No, no, I just didn't have the ability to play at that level, and and that's okay. That's that's the, that's that's okay. It, it was have to you had to self assess and, and be comfortable with the fact that you fell short, and that that's okay because you got some guys who can't wouldn't be able to handle that mm. because that's all they know. But like I said. Football has been a very important part of my life, been a very important part of my family's life, my family. Mm. But my, my um, that was never, we've just always wanted to be the best at what we were doing when we were doing it. Okay. So if that was being the best at grade school, then we're gonna be the best at grade school. And if we're doing it in high school, then we're gonna be the best in high school. And if we're doing it in college, we're gonna be the best in college. And if you're doing it at a, in the professional level, then we're going to be the best at the professional level. But whatever level you're doing it at, let's be the best. And now that, <coughs> excuse me, now that it, it is off the field and, and now it's coaching, it's let's be the best there. Okay, so what transitioned you into coaching? The, the influence. Okay. The, 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 the influence, the positive influence that I received from uh, coach Basu from a coach Russ from a coach O'Shaughnessy from a coach Novak from a coach um, from a coach Nolan uh, 
all the all the the influence that they had. It was a it was a positive influence. Hmm. Okay. And I and I hope that I am having the positive influence on our young men that my parents and that my coaches had on me, and that positive influence being as a man. All those coaches that I named echoed what my parents were talking about. They reassured what my parents were talking about. And I want to have that – I wish to have that influence on our young men. That's all I, that's all I wanted for you all. I wanted for you all to know that life is hard once you leave here. Don't rush into it because you're going to get into it. Don't rush into it. I wanted to influence you all to do the right thing. When you were here, we talked about positive peer pressure. I preached influence to you all. Go influence somebody the mm-hmm. right way. Because we mm-hmm. talked about it. There's a time in your life. You're in a time in your life now where your friends have more influence over you than your parents. Yeah, that's definitely true. So surround yourself with positive people, with good friends, with people who you know have your best interests in mind. So it's that influence. That's what made me want to coach the love the love the the love of the game everybody said what's the love of the game but it's just the influence watching watching you guys grow up Mm -hmm. is is awesome yeah i realized this even here like sports have heavy influences on people it definitely had a heavy influence on my later parts of growing up because growing up as a kid actually i couldn't stand sports Hmm. i hated it because like when I would try to play it as a kid, I always get laughed at, and the bullies play it. So I dislike my bullies, so I dislike the entire sport. And when I got over that over time, I come to like it more. And also, I got to a point where, I, in my point, I went too one-dimensional. For me, I'm a very neutral person. I realize in my life, I can't, I can't just stick to one side. I've always got to. It's got to be this and a bunch of other things with it. That's why, like, for me, I'm very good at getting along with different groups. Like, one like one day I can sit down with a bunch of athletes and talk to them, but also in the next breath I can turn, turn the corner and talk to the tech heads and talk to them, have a good conversation with them, then the biologists. I have a whole circle with people who despise each other and have a good conversation with each and every one of them. That, and that's what just like makes me, that's kind of like what inspired like the entire podcast. And also like why I wanted to like get you because I noticed that like you had a heavy influence. Even you, when you were the Dean of Men, now was it what, Head of Student Affairs now? Mm-hmm. No, Head of stu- uh, Director of Student Life. Director of Student Life? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, anything you want to ask me? Anything else? Will you want to and finish up with? No, I appreciate the time. I appreciate you coming in. It's good to see you. I'm glad that I've had the influence over you to to come back because I always appreciate you guys to come back and let your brothers know what's going on out there because you don't want them walking out of here blindly. Let them know that it's the real world going on out there. Let them know what it takes to be successful because that's why I'm here to to let you guys know what's out there and to uh, 
give you the tools, put the tools in your toolbox for you to build a, a, a good life. All right. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. This is Olo's Perspective. This was Jared Good, head coach of Bennington Bengals, former DMN, now head of his new position. Hope you guys have a nice afternoon. I will see you guys later. Bye. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Olo's Perspective. If you have any feedback, any ideas, suggestions, you can always hit me up on Snap or hit me on the DMs on Instagram. My DMs are always open. Or if you think you got what it takes and you want to be interviewed, like I said, you know where to find me. Have a nice day and enjoy yourself. Bye.